Hello, food enthusiasts. Welcome to Future Foodcast. We are a group of food technologists and food enthusiasts, as I said, talking about the future of food. We are excited to be sponsored by Farm to Plate, the brainchild of Paramount Software Solutions. Farm to Plate is a software company committed to creating tomorrow's food business ecosystem today. I'm Pam Miller, your host, and we have two guests with us today. We get a two-for-one with Thomas Cuisine. We have Allison Pat. She is the CEO for Thomas Cuisine. And we have Chris Nicholson. He's the Vice President of Growth and Retention. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, we are so happy to have you on. Thomas Cuisine is a company that is everywhere, has a really large footprint, but a lot of our listeners may not have heard of them. Could you tell us a little bit about what Thomas Cuisine does and and who they are, Allison? Absolutely. So we were founded 36 years ago, actually out of a garage here in the Boise, Idaho area. And our founder, Thad Thomas, so Thomas Cuisine, Thad Thomas, Thad just had this vision that there was a better way to do food service. Um, He had actually been at one of the larger food management organizations and had just seen um, some of the breakdown of how people were treated in that environment, what food really meant in terms of how it was served with integrity or maybe the lack thereof, and just believed that there was a better way to do it. So 36 years ago, started it here in Idaho, and uh, we really began in the healthcare area. Part of what has really set us apart, in addition to being privately held and, and really having autonomy to run our business the way that we believe it should be done, this idea of transparency. So being really open book with our clients, being open book about how we source and what actually ends up on the plate, that was a mission that just really attracted um, a lot of our healthcare clients. So that's where we started. Uh, We actually then continued to expand into corporate dining, um, senior living, and then most notably in 2022, we entered the independent school market as well. Um, So at this point, we are now in 12 states. We are primarily on the Western half of the United States. And I guess what I would say is, uh, you know, we've really been on a mission, not so much to be the biggest. We are certainly not the largest. We are, I believe, number 13 right now in the top 50 food management companies, but we are on a mission to be the best. So that idea of quality and uh, uh, really getting it right for those that we serve, um, not only for our customers and our clients, but also our team members has, has driven us forward in our mission. Well, Allison, and I'm sure that mission is really why a lot of your customers are with you. They want to partner with you in that. And to your point about the transparency in your sourcing, when I heard you say that, that is like a keyword right now. Customers everywhere, consumers everywhere really want, we want transparency in knowing where our food comes from, what it goes through from the time, you know, since it leaves being grown or, um, manufactured, how how it gets to us and, and all that happens in there. So that's really important. That's really, really an important piece. Um, in the health, You have a lot of big verticals that you work in. So you mentioned healthcare and senior living and uh, now the school system, yeah. which that's a lot of things. Uh, Chris, have you been involved in a lot of that growth? <laughs> I'm thinking as growth and retention, that's a lot of work going on right there. <laughs> yes, it certainly is. 
So there's definitely a lot of strategic growth in all those markets. And, and as we look at our future growth in each of those different verticals, it's really just identifying clients that do share our vision overall. So we look at you know clients that are really, really inspired by our mission as an organization to provide real foods to their customers, to their patients, and really just support what we're doing in the industry as a whole. Allison mentioned a little bit about that, but like our, our goal is to really be a differentiator in the industry and kind of change the industry of what it is today. Yep. So it's just an exciting opportunity in each of these verticals to make an impact. That's right. And, you know, I'm just going to add a little bit to what Chris said, you know, he used this phrase real food. And I feel like that's uh, kind of having a moment out in the world. A lot of people use that phrase. For us, it's been something very ingrained in a, the fabric of who we are as a company. So I spoke a little bit about our founder, um, but part of his story was later on in his journey after he had started the company and things were really working and thriving. And we had a, a very, uh, very powerful business. He got pretty sick. Um, so he actually was diagnosed with cancer. And instead of going with the more traditional routes of healing in terms of medicine, he really believed that there was something about food. There was something about the power of what we put in our own bodies that can have healing properties. So um, that really started this real foods journey for our company. It extended his life five years, which was a really incredible thing at the time and certainly challenged what he had been told by the medical system. But we have carried that forward as an entire company. Many of us have our own personal stories around real food. And I will say, I think we've been a little ahead of the curve. You know, once COVID hit, we kind of had this health crisis in the U.S. And gosh, I think I just read six in 10 adults in the U.S. now suffer from chronic disease. Um, so much of that is related to food or the nutrient lack thereof, um, just not having access to healthy, fresh food and instead having overprocessed food. That's become a big part of our mission and has really attracted the kinds of clients that Chris just, just mentioned, those who see food not only as something for enjoyment, and it certainly is, we believe in delicious, incredible, innovative food, but also something that offers care, comfort, and longevity. Well, Allison, you you are speaking my language because I think you are ahead of the curve. People realize how much nutrition, what what a large part it plays in the health of our bodies and the quality of the food that we eat. But not only that, in the markets that you're in, in the food service area, you know, as individual consumers, we can get products like that more. But I would say in the markets that you're in, larger markets where maybe I don't want to use any terms that are negative, like industrialized or anything like that, but it's not that way. You're just serving larger numbers of people. And um, to have that mission is really unusual. So it is a differentiator, as you said earlier, and um, making an impact because a lot of times those people that are in the healthcare settings, in the senior living settings, in the school settings, I mean, they do need the good nutrition. And it's, it's really important to, to be able to provide that. Uh, the other thing is you, you do have such a big impact. You know, any small move that you make can have a big impact, like how you're operating your kitchens, for example, or what you're doing in the area of sourcing. Uh, would one of you like to address impacts you're having, I guess, with what you're doing? Yeah, oh, I'll kick it off. And then Chris, okay. feel, free to, feel free to jump in. Um, you said a couple of things that really sparked my brain. Um, one was just, we do have such an impact. And I think sometimes we forget that. Um, so many of us have our home kitchens and, you know, we get to make our choices on an individual level, but for us sitting at this table, 
we serve about 22 million meals a year. So again, as we think about things like how do we leverage local? um, How do we make sure that we're not wasting? Gosh, that's a whole nother thing. Again, FDA says 30 to 40% of the food in this country is wasted. So we have this opportunity to make a really big impact through these small changes that, that we do. One of the ways that we do that, quite frankly, is just cooking. And that sounds silly to say for a food management company, but there are so many folks who come to work for us from other companies who only know how to use scissors. You know, they know how to unzip a bag um, and then reheat it. Here at Thomas Cuisine, we hire those that actually want to cook. So knives over scissors, our refrigerators are full of fresh produce. We don't leverage our freezers like so many industrial food companies do. So for us, it's those small changes that have these incredible ripple effects. And it has always been our goal, not only to impact those that we serve. You did speak to the importance of that. We are feeding young minds. We are feeding those who are looking to age in place, who are are certainly struggling with longevity and health in later years, as well as those in their most vulnerable state in, in the healthcare system. On the flip side, part of what I get excited about is really inspiring our 1,400 team members because each of them go home to a family. Each of them are really part of their own community. So if they start to to feel that inspiration that um, cooking is actually something that can have a positive impact on the world, gardening, uh, buying local, really thinking about what is the nutrient density of what what we eat. I believe we've got this opportunity with 1,400 team members, 22 million meals. We get a chance to really change the food system. Chris, anything you'd add to that? Yeah. And just to kind of add to that, you know, as as we kind of go back and we talked about, you know, how we started our organization within healthcare, you think of food and it's really just, it it really can be your worst enemy or it can be medicine and support your growth and your individual development. So if you look at, you know, food within a healthcare setting, you know, Allison, you mentioned there's, there's just like, you're at a most, the most vulnerable vulnerable state in your life. And you look at your standard healthcare food today and everybody complains about it, but no one does anything about it. So there's, there's things like all these preservatives that are led to cancer that lead to cancer GMOs and things that are slowly getting pulled out of food. So part of our mission is in that real food mission is to really just look at that differently. Look at that sourcing practice. What are we buying? What are we purchasing? What are we putting in our bodies? And taking that beyond the healthcare setting is really exciting because that impact goes far beyond the healthcare setting. So for example, in our newest market in independent schools, like looking at what what students are eating today, putting in their bodies to not only fuel their nutrition, their education, but also their athletic performance. There's just so many different angles you can go down and and really take nutrition and really, really use the power of food to to change people's lives. I think that's that's, that's really what's exciting about it for me personally as well. Thank you for that perspective, Chris. Um, Allison, you know, you, I had no idea that six out of 10 adults are suffering from chronic illness. That is a much larger number than I ever thought. And I'm surprised by that, frankly, but I shouldn't be surprised because we do not eat well as a whole, (laughs) as a, as a people, we can always do better. But you mentioned one thing as far as impact too, uh, with the real food is the waste situation, you know, looking at, at waste and, and what you can do that way. And that's more like on the food prep side and the portion side. I don't know which of you would like to share with me about what kind of initiatives you might have at Thomas Cuisine in that area. Because like you said, with 22 million meals, that's not a small number a year. You can make a huge impact just with small changes. Yeah. 
Well, and I mean, quite frankly, we have a responsibility to do that. Um, It is part of our mission, our credo, really how we were founded to do right. That doesn't just mean do right for our client or our team member. It means do right for the environment and the world. And food waste is such a challenge, as you mentioned. So, um, you know, what started for us as sort of a personal passion project has now really become part of that Real Foods mission and and how we are going to deliver So from a food waste perspective, there's a couple different angles that we're taking. One is certainly smart menuing. And so what I mean by that is, while you can have all of the data at your fingertips in terms of what we think we're going to serve and how many portions and all of those kinds of things, it's hard to ever get it 100% right. So one of the things that we try to do is make sure that we are reutilizing ingredients over time. If we are going to make stock, we're going to make sure that that stock has a use on Wednesday as well as Tuesday. But that does take some very thoughtful planning and quite frankly, some nimbleness because we also like to source locally and we like to source in season. So when we hire executive chefs, We aren't just hiring somebody who knows how to cook. We really are hiring creative artists who can look out at a week, at a month, and make sure that we are um, truly leveraging everything that we purchase. We never want to see that get wasted. The second part of food waste that we've put a lot of focus on and we're continuing to put focus on is measuring it. Uh, You don't realize how much you waste. If you do this at home, it is terrifying. Have a bucket and see what you throw in the trash every day. We are now doing some very simple mechanisms like that in our in our locations. Because to me, if you're not measuring it, you can't change it. You can't watch progress. So that's kind of the second component that we're taking. The third is leveraging technology. So we, uh, in 2022, I can't believe we're in 23. In 2022, uh, we implemented a kitchen management solution called Yamex. And Yamex, in addition to helping with, you know, recipe development and and menu planning, also has some waste components to it that help us track and then more appropriately um, order and portion out things to ensure that we don't waste. So those are kind of the three big levers, um, at least on the operations side that we're seeing. Chris, did I miss anything there? Yeah, there's there's one one thing I do want to add is some of the strategic partnerships that we do have in the field, because sustainability is is just a really hot topic of conversation across not only our industry, but so many different industries and organizations to see how we can continue to support our world for the future. Um, But as we look at some of our some of our strategic partnerships with our clients, they're very focused on sustainability initiatives. So one of the things I do want to call out is is one of our clients out in Utah. Um, We're actually partnering with a local company called Momentum. And what they do is actually some of our pre-production waste, or actually all of our pre-production waste into a facility where they're actually using that, that food waste to power homes, which is pretty amazing. So I think that's as we look in the future and look at these opportunities from a sustainability standpoint and waste stream standpoint, there's just more organizations that focus on it. There's going to be more drive to continue to push that agenda of sustainability. And it's something that's really near and dear to our, our hearts. Yeah. And certainly, like like you said, I mean, those those things that you're doing that that pre-production waste would normally just not be used for anything. And so being able to find another use for that that's actually productive and, and helping people power their homes or fuel their homes is really, really positive. Back on one of the things that you talked about, Allison, that struck in my head just from other interviews I've had on this future foodcast is talking about the people that you hire, the chefs that you hire, people that actually cook and have that artistic, they want to get involved in the food. They That's why they're in the business anyway, normally. And I bet 
Uh, Chris, to your job of growth and retention, hiring people to do a job they love instead of just the, uh, I like the scissors, the um, knives over scissors comment as well, Allison. I hope that's in your marketing somewhere. I think that's <laughs> fabulous. But I, as a chef, would also like to have the knives over scissors and have the creative. You know, I hear that a lot. They don't, they want to be able to the love of food that they have, you know, to be able to use that. I'm sure that's part of your growth initiatives and one of the benefits to some of the people you hire. It's huge. It is truly why people come to work for us. So I'd say there's sort of two reasons I have discovered. Um, It's funny timing. Right now we have a, a group of new managers here at our home office. We always, once a month, we fly in our new managers to get to know our leadership team and get engaged And as I speak with them about why they are joining the company, why they are here, they have certainly other opportunities, other food management companies, restaurants. I mean, there's so much out there. I hear one of two things. The first is, gosh, that real foods mission really hit home for me. You know, I've I've dealt with my own health issues and discovered some of that healing in food. And the second piece is I haven't actually been able to cook and do the creative work. You know, I went to culinary school. I'm an artist. This is something I'm so passionate about. And I went to work for a restaurant that said, okay, reheat this, microwave this. That's not actually doing what I love. So here at Thomas Cuisine, we have made it um, a really important part of our operation to allow our chefs a lot of latitude, a lot of flexibility. And again, that doesn't work for every organization, but for the partners we have, they want a I want to call it like a chef in residence. They want their own chef on site, really thinking about what does this group of people most love? How can I delight this uh, group of students or these patients? If I am in Seattle, I'm going to make sure I get some incredible seafood that I put on my patient services menu. But if I'm in Utah working with a really young population, gosh, they're going to want some new trendy foods. And so I need to stay up on what's happening out in the, the food world. So again, we, we do offer that. We don't have locked order guides. We don't mandate certain products or recipes. And because of that, we're able to hire incredibly talented chefs that, to be frank, most of our competitors can't because they don't get to cook. <laughs> and, and just to add to that, you think of, uh, you know, kind of like, like a culinary and like they are truly, I don't know if Allison, you mentioned this, they are truly artists mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And the last thing you want to do is take an artist and put them in the box and say, this is how you have to operate. Not only you you you're able to operate with microwaves, but like you you're not able to create and just do amazing things with food that with locally sourced products. It just really calls that creativity. So allowing that artistry to kind of flourish, if you will, it just really is, is an exciting thing for our chefs, and it it allows them to really grow their craft and expand and really create dynamic menus that that excite our clients and our customers. And feel a lot of personal value in that. You know, I, I was right down the road at one of our, our accounts here in Boise, and there is a client who is vegan and has never had the opportunity to eat some of our dishes. We had a chef who said, she really wants pizza. I'm going to figure out how to make just a killer vegan pizza. And my gosh, it was so good. It is now a favorite from everyone, not just our vegan guests. So that ability to delight our customers um, brings a lot of personal satisfaction as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to be another voice affirming what you're doing at Thomas Cuisine with your hiring and giving them the latitude 
to utilize the skills and the passions that they have. But what that also allows you to do, Chris and I have talked about, you know, one of the challenges you have in the food industry everyone is having is the whole supply chain issue. So if you're hiring chefs that are creative and able to utilize that local sourcing and what they're getting, I imagine that helps you be able to respond more quickly to supply chain issues you might be having. Yep. Tremendously. And you kind of hit on it. Uh, Ironically, the local supply chain has not been impacted in the same way that the global supply chain has. So when we have relationships with growers and producers right here within a small geography of our locations, those have been very um, predictable and very consistent even throughout the past couple years of challenge where we have struggled. and, And certainly everyone has is on like that broadline distributor angle So we have chosen to shift more of our dollars local, but also just be a little bit more nimble, more flexible, have people on site who can say, all right, I wasn't able to get this, but I could get this. So how do I use chicken instead of beef on this menu? How do I use Atlantic char instead of salmon? Um, And when you have really talented culinarians, they know how to do that and they can make that transition quickly. Chris, I bet a lot of your people really enjoy that aspect of the work as far as from the retention piece of your job, I I imagine that would help you keep, because there is a lot of competition, like Allison said, within your industry and just having having that ability to to respond like that and use their gifts. I would think that would be a real perk. Yes, absolutely. So you you, you think of like a, like on a, there's a client retention side to that. And there's also our employee retention side. So on the client retention side, you know, it's just uh, being able to create those dynamic menus that do truly speak to the culture, speak to the organization. Cause you look across not only geographies, but individual client locations, there's, there's individual cultures that you have to speak to when you're creating culinary design and you're menuing to really resonate with that population. Because if you don't, you know, people aren't happy and they won't be engaged in the program. And then, uh, you know, on the, employee retention side, you know, you talk about growth within within organizations and individuals growth and, and really just allowing cooks and chefs to do what they do best. And that's just create great menus with great products and create just great meals. So I think that that's just such a, an interesting aspect that, you know, what we're doing so well out there for our teams that they're just able to be creative and, and just do wonderful things. Well, and I think that's probably just a positive spiral going upward, because if you have happy creators and chefs, they're going to stay with your company and also build those great partnerships with your clients who are getting the kind of food they want, the delicious vegan pizza. I'd like to try that, Allison, Uh, (laughs) you know, that's specialized for, for the particular person or population that they're serving. So I, I would think it feeds on both sides. And and that's really positive. Yeah, very positive. Well, what does the long-term view look like for Thomas Cuisine? What's coming up next? We talk about the future of food, like what's happening in your space that is of note that you'd like to share with us? Gosh, I got a couple of thoughts and we can bounce back and forth on this one. But, um, you know, one of them we kind of just touched on, but I think everyone is realizing right now, you cannot recruit your way out of a retention issue. So when it comes to teams, you can't just say, gosh, I'm just going to really amp up that recruiting. You really do need to be engaging and keeping your great talent. That is not unique to us as an organization, and it certainly is shared amongst all the the companies and organizations that we serve. So food actually gets to play a really exciting part on how we engage team members 
and how you also can recruit in new team members. So whether it's in a hospital setting, senior living, uh, again, certainly within healthcare, um, corporate dining, everyone is using food as a strategic lever, knowing that, um, again, if we do this right, we're really getting people excited about coming to work, um, about being on site, whether it's, uh, again, a hospital or, or a company. Um, so I think food as a tool to engage, food as a tool to kind of help this return to work thing that we're seeing. Um, not everybody is super jazzed about coming back to the office. I love it, but I get it. It's not everybody's cup of tea. For those companies that need people in person to really operate at a high level, we have been brought in to be part of that solution to really say, how can we use food to hit on all the different, um, you know, diverse populations that we have coming back? How can we get them excited about being part of that amazing barbecue with the smoker out back that you can smell when you pull up in the morning? Um, those are really exciting things in terms of solving some of the people issues. Chris, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And just to kind of add to that, I think there's just so many so many mitigating circumstances coming out of the pandemic that are affecting affecting all of our clients in different ways. And it really varies beyond, you know, between different verticals. So you look at healthcare and so many people just delayed their, their healthcare plans. They delayed surgeries, they de delayed treatments during the pandemic. And you're seeing that huge influx now into, into our hospitals. So beds are full, which is great for hospitals, but now there's the opportunity to kind of create that to it take that to the next level. But with beds being full, all of the care providers are really stressed. I mean, they, they don't have that, that respite in their day. So leveraging food in the cafe and hospitals is just such a fantastic way to give them that respite and give them up that, that opportunity. And if that food's good and engaging and fueling, that's just even better. And that's something that, that we're excited about for the future. And then Allison, you touched on, on it a little bit. The, uh, the corporate dining industry is, has kind of been a little bit chaotic over the past few years, you know, with the pandemic and there, there is a larger return to work. You know, I, I do foresee that happening uh, across the board in BNI over the next year, maybe later in 2023, which is kind of when I'm hearing in, the, in a lot of our industry leaders are bringing folks, folks back to work. But lever leveraging food from just being an engagement opportunity for those employees is like during the pandemic, I always had the idea of, you know, with getting folks back to work, you're, you're fighting lap dogs and sweatpants, right? So there really has to be like the great amenities out there and great things out there that are, will bring folks back into the office and get them excited about coming to the office. And then yeah, food as a benefit. I, I absolutely have heard that and, and agree that that is happening with companies for mm -hmm. sure. Yep. I think, uh, sorry, Chris, I, I you know, I think oh, another, another area as we look forward does relate to that sourcing side that we talked a little bit about before. Um, you know, we've always cared a lot about transparency and making sure that what we are um, giving our chefs and ultimately our guests is, is of the best quality and nutrient density. That said, we've been a little disappointed with what we have access to. Um, you know, again, the food system just hasn't come along uh, quite as far and quite as fast as we'd like. There are still some pretty mixed incentives within the food system. So we are taking that into our own hands. So one of the things that you're going to see in the year ahead for us is um, we've actually started our own beef partnership, our own beef program. We have partnered with an incredible, incredible ranch up in Montana, and they have allowed us to come in and really be a part of their strategy around regenerative farming. Um, how do we ensure that we are truly getting the very best quality and we can trace it the whole way? Because again, more and more of our customers and clients are demanding that. We've always cared, but now people are saying, where did this fish come from? And, and what are the kinds of practices around how you are, are catching fish? Um, is this a sustainable line caught, caught piece of fish? So yeah. we are now um, kind of putting our own swing on that. And, and we are creating more of our own food source. 
I love that proactive approach, Allison. And you're right. I mean, customers obviously want that. You wouldn't be doing that. And then you have that more dependable. You know where that is coming from. That's great. Did you have something to add on that, Chris? Yeah, I did. And and, uh, Allison, you touched on this a little bit, but, you know, it's, it's interesting as we look at our consumers and look at our customers today, you know, it's, it's not just about what the food is, what's in the food. That's almost like a given. You have to have that great quality food, but people are so interested in the story behind the food, you know, where that food came from, you know, who are the farmers behind it and really telling that story and engaging, engaging folks in a way that goes beyond just what's on the dish. That's right. That's right. Very, very true. I think the other piece of that is how do we even hit closer to home with that? When we think about our customers and our clients, we're doing more gardening on site, for example, um, really trying to bring that local, that brings education. It, of course, also feeds our culinarians in terms of ingredients, um, but kind of connecting that full circle, even on a site level has been important. Okay, really great. Nice initiatives going on there. You know, one of the other things, um, segueing from that a little bit, we talk about technology a lot here on the Future Foodcast. Are there some things going on in the technology space that affect how you're processing food or how how you're getting your meals out? Always. <laughs> uh, gosh, technology's just upended everything in such a good way. Um, some, somewhat disruptive, but really positive. Like so many others in the space, certainly things like having a mobile uh, mobile app where you can do pre-ordering and uh, you, you don't have to be waiting in a line in a traditional cafe, cafeteria setting. Those kinds of things were almost must-haves throughout the pandemic, and they certainly will have you know, a, a lag, a continued effort behind those. But where we're excited too is as we bring in really talented people into the company, they want to be focused on their craft. They want to be focused on highest and best use, high value work. So where can we actually automate some of that, I'm going to call it more routine work. In senior living, for example, we have partnered with Bear Robotics and um, there's some really exciting things where from gathering dishes and running food out to the tables, that can actually be taken away from the staff who is already crunched, you know, in this retention and and, uh, recruiting environment. And they can really be focused on the guest interaction. They can be focused on the cooking and the creation and the plating as opposed to running dishes back and forth. So anywhere that we've seen those opportunities to automate routine functions, we have certainly leaned in, leaned in hard on that. Yeah, just to, just to add to that as well. So we're, we're in an interesting time as far as technology goes. We've got so many generations that are interacting with, with our services and we have to cater to each of those individual generations. So you look at Gen Z, you look at millennials, and at, at the end of the day, they expect that digital tech-enabled experience, that mobile ordering app. But if you look at some of our partners, like in senior living, for example, that may not resonate as well. So we're in this kind of dynamic phase where we still have to have and, and really resonate with like that, that front-facing server experience, but also really cater to the next generation by leveraging their speed of service and leveraging their cell phones at the end of the day to place orders and, and get what they want and provide feedback. Well, again, orienting what you do to your customer, your client, and making that partnership work. Uh, It seems like that's the whole view with Thomas Cuisine uh, is just continuing to get your customers what they want and help your employee force, you know, partner with them. Just such a positive um, company and mission that you're on. I just really am so happy that you shared that with us today. Is there anything else before we go that you would like to share with our listeners 
from the Future Foodcast. Chris, do you want to go first? Yeah, I, I would say um, you know we're, we're certainly excited about our mission, and you know if if there's any listeners out there that are that are interested in talking to us a little bit more about real foods and how we could how we could support industries and in, in healthcare and senior living and business and industry and corporate dining and independent schools, it'd, it'd be great to have a conversation just to see if if we would be a good partner. And you know, I think from my standpoint, it's January. Everyone is making these New Year's resolutions. Everyone's thinking about how do I get healthier? You know, to me, real food has to be on the docket. And I would just highly encourage, there's so much great information out there now, um, looking at nutrient density, looking at teaching your kids to cook, maybe start a, a garden in the backyard. There's some really simple things that we can all be a part of to move forward that mission, even if you are not operating a large cafe. So uh, again, we have 22 million opportunities to do it, but everybody has at least 365 days of opportunity. Um, I think using those really thoughtfully in 2023 will be important. That, that brings up, I just wanted to add to that as well. So our uh, director of wellness has, has a really resonating statement is read labels. <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're going shopping out there, read labels. And if you look at the back of that label and if you can't find that ingredient in the store, it's probably not that great for you. So I, you, you brought that up from a wellness perspective, Allison. I just wanted to drop that in from our uh, director of wellness. It's always an interesting thing that I think about. Well, and the fact that you even have a director of wellness at Thomas Cuisine, let's not that let that go unnoticed by me. Uh, I think good news all the way around. And I'm so glad that you were on the Future Foodcast today. I'm about to go eat lunch. So I'm going to really be thinking about what I'm having for lunch, <laughs> I'll say. And probably our listeners, depending on what time of day they listen to this, they're going to be just more empowered now to pay attention to what they're doing. But thank you so much, both of you, for being with us. And also, thank you to our sponsor, Farm to Plate. Again, they're a software company enabling better food supply chain management. If you want to know more, you can check them out at farmtoplate.io. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcasts. Future Foodcasts is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 